Welcome to the Fuck Saving Face podcast. I'm your host, Judy Tsui, and together we'll explore mental and emotional health for Asian Americans, especially breaking through any taboo topics. Life may not always be pretty, but it is indeed beautiful. Let's make your story beautiful today. Trigger warning, we talk about variations of sex, porn, and trauma in this episode. I have probably watched more porn than anyone you know. When I was younger, my Chinese parents tried to start a lot of different businesses. They started a Philly cheesesteak hoagie shop after one of my aunts and uncles started a successful one themselves, a shrimp lobster venture, an aquarium store, a construction business, and also bought all the supplies to a VHS video store because that's another business that another aunt and uncle already owned. The VHS store never took off, but suddenly we had all these tapes around the house. Given that we weren't allowed to watch TV, they didn't really mean much to me. Every now and again, my parents would let us pop in a cartoon to the VCR, but the supply of VHSs eventually disappeared, likely sold when they realized that this was a business venture they weren't going to be starting after all. Except, there were a few videos that didn't go anywhere. Porn videos, complete with paper jackets. In junior high, my parents would occasionally drop my sister and I off to my aunt and uncle's video rental store off Hoover Drive in Los Angeles. Whether it was because they needed the childcare or because they thought that my older cousins would tutor us in math, we would spend afternoons behind the counter helping to rent out tapes, cellophane wrap covers, put videos in the rewinding machine when customers forgot to do it, even though each VHS had a little orange sticker on the plastic top piece that said, be kind, rewind, a dollar charge if not. There was a space in the back corner of the store covered by a curtain that we knew was for triple X-rated videos. But my family never talked about sex, other than the fact that we were never allowed to do it, lest we become sluts. I was in junior high, hormonal, unsure of my gangly body, and here I was, greeting older men, usually Mexican or Black, given the demographic of where the store was located, as they sheepishly slid an X-rated video cover across the counter so that one of us could retrieve the actual cassette from the back. Whenever this happened, I would immediately call for my older cousins to come out to help the patron. Everything was awkward. Everything was never talked about. When I found these same videos, up close and personal, in our home, I didn't know who to ask about it. My immigrant parents were working long hours, my grandmother was busy taking care of us four grandchildren, and she didn't speak English, and I was the eldest. The videos eventually found their way to the yacht parked in our backyard driveway. My father, at some point in time, did relatively well so that he could purchase this used boat. He has always loved fishing. He has loved this sport where he can be out on the water, out in silence, out sleeping under the sun, and my mother gets seasick. He started out having a speedboat, and then it became this blue and white anchored eyesore on the side of our house. Every now and again, my younger siblings and I would play hide-and-seek throughout the house, bored beyond belief because my parents were too busy trying to save their failing businesses to pay much heed to four young children. I climb onto the dusty yacht, the back open area filled with dead leaves from the tree above it, then clamber down beneath where the sleeping deck was. Here is where I found a vast collection of porn videos. My parents never really told us not to play on the boat, so I don't know why these videos weren't better hidden. Obviously, if you actually wanted to watch the porn videos, going to a boat to get a video, knowing the VHS players in the house, is probably pretty laborious after a while. So... Later, when we'd play hide-and-seek again throughout the house and I'd rummage into the closet to bury myself under some clothes, I'd find myself bumped up against another stack of videos. I was curious. I wanted to see what this was all about. 
I was curious like any child is curious about their bodies. Now, having a daughter of my own, and thanks to new resources like sex-positive families, I have a clear understanding of what's healthy developmental behavior. But when I was in my single digits and rubbing my pelvis against the floor because it felt enjoyable, it meant that I was guilted and shamed. That's disgusting, my mother would shout. Stop that. Stop what? Stop feeling good? Even though my grandmother was usually the only adult in the house, she'd sometimes get picked up by an aunt or an uncle or a cousin who'd take her out on errands. By then, they thought I was old enough to be home with my younger siblings, just me and them. In my house growing up, we were never allowed to close, much less lock, any door in our house. Except my grandmother could. She would padlock her room when she left. I, however, in my junior high curiosity would sneak in through her window from the backyard because I knew she had a TV and a VCR and privacy. And then I could sneak one of those videos underneath my shirt and watch them by myself. My younger sister knew what I was doing, but she, like me, didn't have any words to talk about what we were not supposed to talk about. Sometimes she would follow me outside and wonder what I was doing as I moved the screen to the side. And I felt guilty. But the guilt didn't stop me from doing what I was doing. I was too curious. Later, when I was 35, and I became pregnant while living on Kauai, I became consumed with nausea day and night. I tried every remedy recommended by professionals and the internet. Ginger chews, motion sickness wristbands, apps that created sound waves to normalize that moving sensation within my brain, essential oils, sparkling water, anything I could get. Nothing worked. Nothing worked beyond a few minutes, 15 minutes at most. And then I was racing back to the bathroom to throw up, heaving, head aching in a migraine, collapsing on the floor by the toilet. That's when I rediscovered porn. I turned 41 last year, and on my birthday, a group of female friends went out to a nice dinner at this restaurant called Valentina in Encinitas, California. Toward the end of the meal, I asked everyone in attendance what was one secret they hadn't told anyone else. Each woman thought. Each woman shared. And then I said, I watched a lot of porn while I was pregnant. It was the only thing that helped with my nausea. They stopped. They paused. They didn't say much. I questioned whether I said too much, but later, one by one, The women open up to me individually and follow up text messages with things like, wait, do I not watch enough porn? During that time that I was sick, I watched porn and self-pleasured almost all day long. I don't know if it was a primal endorphin releasing relief kind of thing, but that was the only thing I found that could help alleviate my medical trauma. And I didn't find any reference to this on the internet as a form of relief. In this week's episode this interview with Rahi Chun, you'll hear how natural it is to explore your body when you are young. You'll discover how we internalize messages of what is shameful and acceptable, even through sideways glances or simple avoidance of touch. You'll hear why sex ed needs to be revamped in schools, especially if you had Asian parents like mine that could not sign the waiver fast enough so that they would never have to have a conversation with their children about sex. After I gave birth to my daughter, I remember driving around Island and hearing an NPR piece come on that said, we need to call female genitalia by its appropriate name. If we do not give girls the names to call their own body parts, they will not be able to own them. And then that is where they become vulnerable to sexual abuse. From a young age, I have appropriately referred to my daughter's body parts as what they are, vulva, vagina, 
anus, clitoris, labia. These were not easy words to say at first, but now they're in my daughter's normal vernacular. They're not dirty. They're anatomy. In my 20s, I went to see an OBGYN when she was describing what was happening in my female body. I didn't really know the difference between uterus and urethra. These were not words that I really learned in English, and I definitely didn't know what these words were in Mandarin. She looked at me, aghast. This doctor was absolutely judging me. You can't pee out of your uterus, she said. I felt deeply ashamed. I felt at 26, I should know my body better, but I didn't. And because I had never had a talk with my parents about owning my sensuality or my sexuality, I also did not honor my body with the men that I would encounter. Even though my parents feared that if I wore a skirt, that would mean that I would become a quote-unquote slut, they didn't do the things because they didn't know how to do the things to help prevent the very thing that they feared. When I got back from living abroad in Shanghai, China, working as an editor because my eating disorder had come to the point where I knew my body was falling apart, I entered into an intensive outpatient program. And while I was there throughout that year, I realized that about 8 out of 10 female patients had been sexually abused in some way. When they shared their stories, I knew I had not experienced what they had gone through, but somehow their stories also seemed vaguely familiar, like because there was porn left everywhere for me to find, because I never had anyone to talk about it, because it was ever present in my developing young mind for this time, and it was guilty and it was shameful, that I was left to figure out these adult things before I was fully ready to process them, and I grew up with all sorts of misconceptions and bad, unhealthy ideas. I hope that this week's content will help illuminate the Asian American taboo topic of sex, sensuality, pleasure, and healing. I hope that you'll find the words or the resources you need to own to claim to celebrate this part of you in a really healthy way. I hope that it helps with managing some of the feelings that you may have had, even if you're an adult now, that you didn't know you needed to say or share or find resources now to help you process through. I truly hope that through my conversation with Rahi, who happens to be the first Asian American male who I'm interviewing, that it'll help remove any sort of the stigma that you might be carrying around wanting to experience pleasure or wanting to really own this confidence within you like never before. It's not just Asian culture that doesn't know how to talk about sex. I am so lucky to be surrounded by so many incredible body workers, feminists, healers who help give me the words and the insights and the knowledge to questions I didn't know I needed to ask. I had no idea until after I had my daughter what sexual somatic work could be, or that you could go see someone for a pelvic floor massage to heal a prolapse to help strengthen the feelings that you have when you can no longer control the need to pee. And let me just tell you, there's a group of amazing mamas who go out to dinner every month together with me. And when we have conversations, we are honest like never before. And we are probably terrifying the people around us with our not vulgarity, but our openness and our frankness. And I wish that more women and men had access to conversations like this and to the support and resources that are around us. When I moved to San Diego, I was working at a startup and one of the VPs took me out to lunch and he said, how do you find better answers? You ask better questions, but sometimes we don't even know which questions we need to be asking. So I hope that this week in the conversations that you'll hear, you'll start to realize that there are new questions that you could be asking 
to get the answers you maybe didn't realize you needed. If you like what you heard today and you found it illuminating, please do share it with a friend, rate us on any of the platforms that you're listening to so people can find it a bit easier, and consider supporting us on patreon.com forward slash fucksavingface, F-C-K. It really helps us to get this content produced and out there in the world. The feedback that I've been getting from people in my generation who happen to be Gen Xers and maybe straddling that cusp of millennials is that... This would have been really helpful content when we were growing up. So I know for a fact that there is a generation of teenagers and young adults out there who could really help heal their lives and maybe find exactly the resources that they need to grow into the adults that they would like to become by removing these taboos and living into their greatest expression of self. I look forward to seeing you on Wednesday and then on Friday.